Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. What's up, world? Uh, back again in the studio. Appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to the podcast. Uh, we have got a guest in here with us today. Got a pretty, uh, from what I've heard, which is just a little, pretty hard story, you know, uh, but it's one that she feels will uh, potentially help somebody. And that's what uh, I'm all about, you know, helping somebody if they can. And, uh, I'm just going to let you take it away. We've got Miss Robin Cavins with us. How you doing? I'm good. You? I'm doing great. Thank you for coming. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, like I say, I don't know much about what you're going to say. I know it's a pretty rough story and everything. So uh, thank you right off the bat for being brave enough and uh, everything to want to come and tell everybody. You're welcome. So... Uh, just to start things off, tell us a little bit about yourself from growing up and everything, and you just take it away. Okay. Well, growing up, uh, I kind of told you that, you know, drugs was never bad in my household. We mm-hmm. was stripping pot at 10, and my stepdad was an addict. And yeah. if you don't know something's bad, then you're probably going to mess around with it. Oh, yeah, you don't, don't know any different. Don't know any different. Started smoking pot at 12. Uh I graduated school, done pretty good, whatever. Then I hit 19, and I went wilder than a bug. Yeah. I, I guess I was always kind of wild. Mm-hmm. You know, my house was where everybody wanted to come. Yeah. No rules. Yeah. Um, but then I hit 19, I started drinking. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I got pregnant with my daughter when I was 20. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, 20. I had her when I was almost 21. Yeah. I dabbled in, you know, Xanax, whatever. Yeah. Had her, my mom and stepdad was raising her because, like I said, I was wilder than a buck. I mean, yeah. Um, mm. Let's see. And then I found meth in 1998. She was born in 96, and 1998 is the first time <clears> I tried <throat> meth. Yeah. I'm telling you, when I took my first snort of that, I said, where has this been my whole life? Hooked uh, right off the right bat. Wow. Love of my life. Well, what about that? And I knew it. Yeah. It's, that's hard to say. I had two children, and one's 27, one's 18. Mm-hmm. I wasn't much of a mom. I mean, I fed them and whatever. Well, yeah. I was always hiring a kite, you know, mm-hmm. just doing whatever. So, um, but yeah, first time I hit meth, I knew it was over. Now, what was the very first experience on meth like? I mean, can you remember like what you felt or, or saw or anything? Yeah. Well, I felt like, uh, listen, I had enough energy. I was up like four days and I cleaned house and I'd always wanted that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've always been heavier, so mm-hmm. I didn't eat like in those four days. And I thought, man, if I keep this up, I'll lose weight. You know? So that was enticing right there. About my whole life. Yeah. You know, and I did it from 98 to, to 2021. 
January second. Yeah. I got pregnant with my, my youngest daughter. I quit. I did because I I knew. I knew that something would be wrong, so I quit. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I had her, right back to it. <clears throat> so, um, but just kind of a few life events that's happened, and I always went back to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I had a car wreck in 2004, hit a pedestrian on 290. I'd oh, been wow. to the dentist. I wasn't high. Thank, thank God I was not high. Yeah. That was one of the hardest things I ever, that's bad. Knowing that you, not that you killed him on purpose, but. Well, yeah. If I hadn't have been where I was at, he mm. wouldn't have died. I carried that for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, then I got pregnant with her later on that year. So I straightened up for a little while. Had her in August 2005. By September, I was wild again. Yeah. So, um, let's see. I'm trying to go through the You're fine. Like Take your time. Timeline. Um, <clears throat> I really didn't straighten up from 2005 till probably about 2016. Mm-hmm. I got busted for trafficking meth. Okay. I was so strung, you know, so strung out. Yeah. I couldn't hold a, a regular job. I tried. Um, so I started selling dope. That was more addicting than the drug itself. The money? The money. Yeah. Yep. Because I'm... It, I mean, I don't know for sure what street value is, but it's it's high. I'd it say. is. It is. And yeah. I could make two, three, four hundred dollars a day. That was just when I started. Yeah. Now by the time I quit, I was making thousand two, you know, twelve hundred dollars a day. Yeah. It's a lot of money to yeah. do nothing. You yeah. Know? But it used constantly looking over my shoulder. Always. Yeah. Um. Then I got put in drug court, and I did good for eighteen months. I graduated. Um, like I said, I have to go back in uh, September of 2017, I believe. Mm-hmm. No, 2000. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, like, when my sister was murdered, and because it all ties in together. Okay. 2016, I think I graduated drug court. Okay. In September. I was sober 29 days. I went, I did the whole drug court, no sanction, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I graduated, I was high within 29 days. Mm-hmm. Never, not a, not a sober breath until, like I said, January 2nd, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, just crazy stuff. Just yeah. Running from the law and, I mean, mm-hmm. absconded from probation, got a 90-day sanction. Yeah. Ran away to Corbin. Come back to Jackson County, and my dad, Benny Brown, yeah, buddy. said you knowed him. Good guy. Loved him better. Yeah, but everybody right? loved Benny. Oh yeah, he came to my house, and he, uh, I was dad's, I was forty five, but I was dad's baby. And oh yeah, you're always your mommy and daddy's baby. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't talk mean to me ever. Yeah, he slapped that dashboard, and he said, "You are worrying me to death." Yeah, I said, "Golly, I'm worrying him," you know, and I was. I, and he said, "If you're not in rehab Saturday morning." I'll be to arrest you. I said, well, you crazy thing. You can't arrest me. You ain't the law. He yeah. said, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Hayes is. Yeah, buddy. And I'm going to tell him where you're at. Wow. Daddy, you wouldn't do that. He said, I'm telling you right now. Before I bet I, he would. <laughs> he said, before I bury you, I'll see you in jail. Yeah. So um, he gave me the Saturday morning, <clears throat> Friday evening, I was in rehab. I done 28 days at the Lisa Walker Center in Harrodsburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I signed myself in January 1st. I was hiring a cot when I got there. Yeah. 
as last day I touched anything. Mm-hmm. So January 2nd, 2021 is my sober date. So today I sit here with 33 months and 23 days clean. Awesome. Yeah, And it's like, I don't even know who I am sometimes. I'm yeah, like, yeah. What, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. But um, all the stuff that led up to that, though, mm-hmm. you know, I told you I had a little sister get murdered in 2017, December 28th. They found her in Rock Lake in a burnout car. Okay. Um, they burn her so bad that, you know, yeah. couldn't open her. You, you said there was nothing hardly. Now, bad. was the events leading up to her murder? I mean, we don't want to say anybody's names or anything, but was the events leading up to the murder drug related? Absolutely. Was it? Our whole lives, you know, <clears throat> several stories I'm going to tell you. They're all, you know, okay. that's why I just I want somebody to hear this and just know that no matter how good you think you got it in that world, mm-hmm. there's a prize. Yeah. And it's a price you don't want to pay. You know, we found her in a burnout car. Um, I lived through one murder trial for one brother, but I couldn't the other one. There was because I'd gotten clean. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I went to that trial, it, you know, yeah. I couldn't have made it. I couldn't have done it. So, yeah. um, so we buried her and I moved in with my mom to try to help with the kids because she had two kids. I didn't help nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a mess myself, but um, had a nervous breakdown, stayed sober until, you know, I graduated. Maybe I graduated, I get my, my dates all jumbled. Oh, yeah. I was in drug court when she died. I graduated drug court September 2018 and was <coughs> sober until October 2018. Yeah, 29 days later, I was wild again. Yeah. Slinging it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. My youngest daughter, I've always had her with me, but the quality of life wasn't, wasn't worth living, you know. Yeah. She's in the trap house, and she's seeing all these people, and I've done a lot of damage. And I, I just, if I can save anybody from causing that damage with their children, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to, we get along sometimes, mm-hmm. but typical 18-year-old and her mom, you know. Oh, yeah, they're going to be at each other's throats more often than not. Yeah, but there's times that she can look me right down in my face and say, do you forget all this stuff that you did? And that's like a punch in the gut. Because, yeah. no, I ain't forgot none of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to fix it. And it's hard. It's hard to fix those relationships. Well, yeah. You know, and, um, but we're trying. Mm-hmm. We're trying. Um, but, you know, my sister got killed. And then in 2020, my daughter got charged with murder. Wow. Yeah, she was living with um, a guy that domestic violence, and she I guess she just thought she had no way out that day. Yeah. yeah it's been three years today, as a matter of fact. Okay. Yep, yeah, and it's um, she's in Pee Wee Valley. She's doing a 15-year sentence. Wow. She's got a 36-month flop. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of guilt, too, because if those drugs hadn't been around her her whole life, mm-hmm. just like me, she yeah. would have thought they were wrong, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hate that it took this, but if this fixes her, you know. Yeah. I don't want to say I'm glad, but, you know. I know what I, you mean. Oh, she, you know she's clean. Yep. You know. I know where she's sleeping. I know yeah. she's fed. She's, you know, she's getting ready to graduate the SAP program down there. She'll go into it. I mean, it's I couldn't fix her at the time. Yeah. I was worse than her, you know. Mm-hmm. I was. And then I had a granddaughter by Logan, and she they moved her to Michigan in December 2020. So my husband went to jail in September 2020 for trafficking meth. Yeah. 
my daughter went in October 2020 for manslaughter. And they took my pride and joy and moved her to Michigan, you know, seven hours away. Yeah. And I knew when my daddy told me, if you don't go, you know, I don't want to bury you, he would have buried me because that I was dead inside already. I'd lost yeah. all that and not that length of time. So. Mm-hmm. so I went ahead and they took Josie to Michigan on December 20th. I signed myself in January 1st because I knew. You know, yeah. I, I knew. Yeah. And uh, it's just been a whirlwind, like. Mm-hmm. It's been a hard three years. Well, I can't even imagine. But I've done it sober. Yeah. And people say, how do you know you're okay? When I when they called me and told me that my daddy had died May 29th of mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. my first thought was not, I'm going to get high. I, I've got to get high. My uncle was scared to death. He's like, where are you at? I said, town and country. He said, stay there. Don't, don't leave. Don't move. Mm-hmm. I said, I won't. I said, but you haven't got nothing to worry about. <clears throat> And he's like, please, don't don't leave. And they all thought that. You know. So they thought you was just looking for a fix? Yep. Because my, and, and when my sister died, I was still in drug court, and my cousin thought the same thing. Yeah. She calls, and I'm in Bria, just riding around. Like, I, there's 14 years between me and my sister. She's my baby sister. Yeah, yeah. I raised her, helped raise her. Mm-hmm. Loved her better than, you know. And, but I couldn't because I knew I'd go to prison. I was, I knew it, yeah. you know, but I was only sober that time because I had to be mm-hmm. 18 months of drug court, three and a half years of probation yeah. or go to prison. I thought, well, I don't think I'll go to prison. So yeah. I think I'll keep it together. So yeah. I, did, I did. As soon as I was free, it was again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would pretty much just get sober whenever you had to or to get by. And then after the fact, you'd go right back to it. Oh, yeah. Every time. Every time. Every time, no matter if I had 18 months clean, 10 months, whatever. So you had proven, actually, that you could get clean and stay clean for extended periods of time, but uh, ultimately you went back to it. Every time. Was it Was it your choice to go back, or was it the environment that you was around when you got out of the situation that put you back using, or uh, was you just you know, like I say, just a product of, of, of your raising. And that's what you knew. Yeah. I think it was what I knew and I loved it. Like okay. I said, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I did. I, yeah. And that's hard to say that now looking back is I love dope. I love myth. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, not only did it make me feel good, I could clean house. I lost weight mm-hmm. and I had money. Yeah. But then all those things I love, you know, when I got to rehab, I weighed 293 pounds. Mm-hmm. My liver wasn't working. My kidneys weren't working. It took four days to get my blood pressure down. Wow. So it went against everything that I was doing it for, you know. Mm-hmm. I was broke as a joke when I got there. So everything that I loved about it, it had been took away. Yeah. But uh, I was at rehab 14 days, matter and fire at my daddy. I was mm-hmm. matter and fire at him. I thought, you old sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the 14th day, I, I never forget, Big Daddy Weave. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. I don't think I do. Well, it's a song called Redeemed. <clears throat> I'd fit I'd fit it. I was like, I'm going to do 28 days. Yeah. I'm going to, Benny, but I ain't going to like none of them. Yeah, I, yeah. I ain't going to. That 14th day, I heard that song Redeemed, and I I knew. I, oof, I hit my knees instantly. Wow. And I said, you've got to take this for me. <laughs> you have to. And he did. What about that? I like I told you, 33 months, I don't think about it. And I work a lot of hours. Like, I worked 
12 hours a day and I'm going back. So, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. Yeah. But I don't ever think, let's get high so we can do it, you know. Yeah. I don't feel like that's very very common either because I've talked to a lot of uh, a lot of people that's uh, dealt with addiction and stuff, and they more often than not say that it's a constant, like as good as they are doing now. The thought of that drug is in the back of their head; it follows them every day, mm-hmm. and it'll creep into the front of their head, the front of their mind, and their memories daily. So. Yeah, so the fact that you just don't have any any want or need is great. I, I, That's very rare, I think. I, it is. I thank God every day for that because I know a lot of prayers went up for me yeah. for years and years. Cousins praying, grannies praying. Yeah. Till I got serious and I prayed mm-hmm. that it was always there. Yeah. You know, but when I wanted it, he took it. He did. What about that? He sure did. Well, God can do anything. Oh, anything. Yeah. I mean... I'm a general manager at London Dairy Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two cars with insurance on them. I mean, they may be a 2000, 2001, but they're in my name. And that's that's awesome. That's mine. Both have new tires. They're both yeah. insured. Um, I was telling my boss the other day, I was like, I've got a credit card in my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, who are you sometimes still, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But now I will tell you this. I don't have the craving or nothing. I did walk outside today. Up there in London, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I smelt like when they cooked dope. Oh, You're sorry. Right. That's fine. I smelt it as plain as day. I even told really? my boss, I said, I'm telling you, I smell it. Like marijuana? Or? No, when the cooking methamphetamine. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So I smelt it, and he's like, I think you're crazy. Yeah. I was like, I'm not crazy. I smell it. Yeah. And there is times I do smell it. Uh-huh. And I can remember what it tastes like. I don't really? crave it, but I still know those tastes. What does it taste like? I mean, what could you com- if there's anything you could compare it to? What would it be? I don't think there is anything. Yeah, just no. nothing else like it. No, now, now to me, that's the nastiest taste I ever tasted. You know, what yeah. You? Used to, you snort it, and if it didn't drain down your neck and burn you up, you know, you're mad as fire. It's um, really, yeah, it's a bitter taste. It's a, I don't know how anybody could stand their nose to burn like that. Mm-hmm. That's what we live for, though. Wow. You know. So it's kind of like a whole ritual type thing. So you can snort it, uh, uh, inject it, Mm -hmm. and uh, smoke it. Smoke it, yep. And, you know, all the years I did dope, I -hmm. never did shoot it because I knew if I did, I wouldn't never come back. And I knew that. I knew that. Now, what do you think is the difference between how you did it which was snorting it? Mm-hmm. Was that the primary way that and you used it, it? and smoking Smoke. it? What is what makes it so much more dangerous or addictive injecting it rather than smoking it or snorting it? I mean, is it just where it's a direct hit into your into your veins and instantaneously I think you so. get high from it I and think it, so. your body just is kind of shocked by it? I think so. So it's kind of like if you're smoking it or snorting it, it's a time release. Kind of, high. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The snorting is kind of, I've heard people say snorting is more closer to shooting up than, you know, just yeah. smoking it or whatever. I would imagine it would, but would be. Yeah. I've been around shooters, and it's yeah. like, bam, and it's mm-hmm. like they're hard about beat out of their chest, and they're just wild looking, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, and I've been around a lot of stuff, and I've mm-hmm. been around, um, <clears throat> you know, like the last couple of years I was doing it, I saw a lot of my friends get a hold of bad dope, and it changed them forever. Yeah. They'll never come back like they, you know. Yeah. 
And more often than not, the people that I have talked to on this podcast and in just, you know, in my personal life, uh, they say that uh, just what you said, their first time doing it, they knew that they was hooked. I knew it. From the first time. Yep. How dangerous of a drug that is. Uh, it's awful. It is. It's. I knew. I just, when that hit my nose and then drank, I thought, oh, my God. Yeah, best what, thing I ever had. Best thing I ever had. Best that? thing I'll ever have. Really? Yeah. Little did I know that, you know, the best was way, way, way down the road, you know, mm-hmm. like now. Yeah. Um, sober. I'm content. For the first time in my life, yeah. I'm tickled to death to work 13 hours a day. Yeah. But I get up every morning and I say, I don't, it's not, I have to go to work. I get to go to work. Mm-hmm. I get to drive my car. Yeah. I get to do those things. And, you know, it's so many things you got to change. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I have said on, on this podcast before, you know, that uh, don't let your past predict your future. And, you know, that's kind of a cop out to say, well, this is the kind of upbringing that I've come from. I didn't have a, a fair shot at life and stuff. But, you know, that looking back now after talking to all these people that's dealt with addiction and stuff, and stuff I don't think I was right in saying that. Yeah. You know, when you are in a situation like you were in, where you were born into that type of environment, that's normal life to you. Yeah. That's the way life is. That's what you see every day. So how would a child in that type of home know that it's wrong? That's right. You know, when you're raised in a home like that and you see all this drug use and stuff and then you go out into life outside that those doors, that's what's not normal to yeah. you. You see people that doesn't do that type of thing every day it makes you that much more comfortable to go home to that type of environment, I, I feel like. Absolutely. You know, so it's kind of a comfort zone, as as weird as that may sound. You prefer the unstable life at home around the drug use and around whatever, you know, violence that there may be in somebody's home or something like that. Uh, that's just kind of what, what you're used to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's 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 amazing, really. What somebody can be adjusted to. Oh yeah, yeah. chaos. I couldn't live without chaos. You know, I was in yeah. a, I was in a relationship. I got my head cracked for eight years, but I love that chaos. You know, I was, yeah. I was so high, I probably didn't know I was even getting my head cracked. Mm. And that's just real talk. I mean, but if I didn't have chaos, I couldn't live. And it's weird that now I don't want no drama. I don't want no chaos, you know. Yeah, you had your feel of it. I have my feel. Um, I want normal, whatever normal is, you know. Yeah. But I think I, I'm real close to normal, so. You know. Yeah, sounds like you're doing really good. I I, I hope so. I hope yeah. Dad's proud up there, you know. Oh, I'd I, say he is. I'd say he is. I hope he ain't mad no more <laughs> smacking the dashboards. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. yeah, if you know my daddy, you just hadn't, yeah. Benny was a real good feller. Uh, uh, I'd known Benny. He spoke to me every time he saw me. Super good guy. Uh, uh, he'd be absolutely tickled to death for you. Uh, and I miss him every day, you know. But uh, his birthday was Monday. Mine was Tuesday. No, yeah, his 23rd and 24th. And that's been the hardest thing for me. Like, we always celebrated, you know. I'd go give him his birthday card on the 23rd and give me mine, and then he'd come find me wherever I was on the 24th. Yeah. No matter what I was doing, no matter how mad he was, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, 
And I think the the big reason that I come to do this is mm-hmm. <clears throat> that life brings a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised I sat here and kept it together, not crying. You know, I prayed real hard, you know, but yeah, yeah. but it's real and it's raw. Mm-hmm. Now life's rough, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But I'd like to let anybody know that's listening, that's struggling, that there is way out. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a better life. Um, I'm on Facebook. It's Robin Cavins. Message me. I'll get you in somewhere. If I can't, my buddy and at least Walker can. Mm -hmm. We'll get you a bed somewhere. Yeah. Um, It's scary. It's like you, it's scary to change from that chaos to to normal. Yeah. It is. Well, that's all you know. And you know, really know nothing of a normal life. I can't imagine it being. <clears throat> the only thing that I could compare it to, and I, I don't know anything about the experience personally, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, speaking from my experience talking with people, I would compare it to somebody being institutionalized in a prison. When you spend so many years in such an extended period of time in such a chaotic environment, I would compare it to an inmate that's been in prison for 50 years just suddenly going into civilian life. Oh, yeah. You know, they're not prepared. They don't know how to get a job. They don't have credit card, license, Social Security card, none of that. So when you go from being an addict to a, a recovering addict, it's it's like a rebirthing process. It, absolutely. I'm only I'm three years old. Oh, I'll be three years old in January. That's how I feel. I'm really 48, yeah. but I feel like I'm just... Three. Yeah. Your life's just starting. Yeah. Uh, and it's crazy to think that I started this late, but it's okay. I'm glad. It's absolutely I did. okay. You know, and I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm truly happy. You know, yeah. I, my husband's in prison, and I've told him mm-hmm. when you get home, the first puff, not the first ounce, not the first gram, yeah. the first time that I think that you, I'm leaving you. Mm-hmm. I love you, but I'm leaving you. Yeah. I can't let anybody take me back. No, you can't do that. When my daughter gets out, if if she thinks she's going to do that, mm-hmm. her either. I love her better than anything. Yeah, but I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, I, it's it's people, places, things. Got to have boundaries. Got to have limitations. Absolutely, you got to stick to them too. Got to. You got to stick to your guns, no matter you know. Yeah. Don't you remember when? Absolutely, I remember when that was supposed to have been fun. Yeah. I also remember the 10 days following that was pure hell, too. Yeah. You know, no money, no gas in your car, no insurance in your car, mm-hmm. bald tires. I'm, I remember all that stuff, you know. Wow. And it's all true. That's all, you know, who cares if your tire's about to blow out? Mm-hmm. You've got to go down the road to the trap house or <clears> to the dealer or whatever, you know. Yeah. It's just crazy to me to think now that. Like I got a hole in my muffler. If you probably heard it, no, I didn't hear it. No, driving me crazy. <laughs> and used to, I wouldn't have cared if the whole dang muffler was off. Yeah, know? yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just. I, uh, I mean, does it make you think? Like, I know you're you're saying that when you were on, were using, that you didn't have a care in the world other than the drug, right? Is yeah. it safe to say that that's how you felt? So when you go from that type of mentality to the mentality that you have now, caring about all these other things, do you, are you thankful for the worries that you have now versus the worries that you had then? Absolutely. You know, like, are you thankful for caring about that leak in your muffler yep. and, and having good tires on your vehicle? It's a worry and it's, uh, you know, I'm saying like yep. you have to worry about these things now, but 
coming from what you've come from, I would imagine that you're so thankful to even want to care about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like I said, I don't think, God, I got to get up and go to work. No, I get to get up and go to work. It's like, I am thankful that I'm worrying about a muffler leak, making sure the tread's good on the tires. Hmm. Um, the clothes are washed and, and the washer's working and, and mm. it's the real things that you know like i should have been worried about all along you know yeah yeah i am thankful for all those worries as weird as that sounds you know yeah yeah, yeah. and i just wanted to say my stepdad he he was a good man I, i'm not trying to take nothing from him at all yeah truth's the truth it was there it was real it was mm-hmm. that bought our christmas that paid our bills that mm-hmm. you know it was normal yeah. But he was. He, he he struggled too, but he was good to me yeah. for thirty some years, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not trying to take nothing from him. Yeah. But it was there. Yeah. You know, and, and do I get mad as hell sometimes? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I think, God man, how could you do that? And yeah. then I think, Well, Robin, you've done the same thing to yours. Mm-hmm. You know, they did think it was well, look at my oldest one. She's she was on, you know, thirties and meth and I mean <laughs> Yeah. That's all they ever saw. Mm-hmm. But now this youngest one of mine, she is hell bent not to be like that. Oh yeah. And she works with me, you know, every day. Yeah. So I I guess I showed her so much that she just don't want no part of it. Yeah. And I was telling you about Dairy Queen, you know, I work. Mm-hmm. I got twenty seven kids up there, you know. They're not all mine, but yeah, yeah. ranging from forty two to eighteen. Yeah. I think my no, my youngest one's fifteen. Uh-huh. Those those people mean so much to me. Like, they yeah. they come up and say, "Do you know what an inspiration you are to me?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Get out of here with that!" You know, yeah, yeah. get out of here with that. And they're like, "No, you have no idea." Mm-hmm. I have one the other day called me to the dining room. He's like, "I was like, what is it?" He's like, "I just want to give you a hug for being the only role model I've ever had." Wow! I said, "Me a role model?" That's awesome. He said, "Absolutely." Well, I tell you one thing: you need to just embrace that uh, because. <clears throat> There, there's unsung heroes in this in this life, and a lot of people uh, in in this world they admire the celebrities and the uh, the uh, sports athletes and stuff like that. That's not who needs to be admired, and and that's not who uh, deserves our admiration at all. It is people like you that have lived this chaotic life and come out smelling like a, a rose on the other end you've survived all this you've came out of it you're doing good now you're doing the best that that, that you've ever done Mm -hmm. Uh, even though you're still dealing with a daughter in prison a a husband in prison and stuff like that those people like you and others like you are the ones that deserve that are deserving of our admiration you can't learn anything from somebody that hasn't been through it i am a huge proponent of that you'll never i've never learned anything from anybody that hasn't went through it themselves because they as much college as they may have as much talking as they do about something they don't know what it's like they don't have they'll it. never know what it's like mm-hmm. but you have been brought up in it lived it your entire I'm 90% of your life you've been involved in that type of situation so being surrounded by that 90% of your life and still being able to come out on it 
that's 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 nothing but hope for people. I hope so. It I- really is. And coming on this podcast and showing the courage and bravery enough to tell it, and I I can see the pain on your face. I really can. Yeah. Uh, it, it's nothing but inspirational. It really is. And uh, if there's anything that I can do for you in the, in the future, any way I can help to keep you on the right track, let me know because I'll be there. I appreciate I really that. Sure thing. Here you go, honey. But, um, I, I told myself I wasn't going <clears> to <throat> cry because I was coming in here to be strong, you know. And, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm still strong. Things are I think still, you're the strongest person I've ever met. Stuff is still hard, you know, but... It's all going to be okay. It, Absolutely will. Some, you know, she's Logan's coming home. I didn't have to bury her. Mm-hmm. I'm home. Daddy didn't have to bury me. Yeah. If anybody, this family, I'm telling you, and I ain't just saying it. If anybody probably should have been buried because of the situations we were in, mm-hmm. we're two of them, and that's yeah. real. You know, that's. A lot of bad places, a lot of bad situations, you yeah. know, to do and get whatever you needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I'm thankful to be sitting in this chair. Um, I I kind of get lost for words, but not real. I, there's so much I want to say, you know. Yeah. I just want people to know that there is help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely there is. I don't care how long you've been living in this. You can get out if you want to. Yeah. There's the big word, want to. Yeah. You have to want it for yourself. Mm-hmm. I ain't never wanted nothing more in my whole entire life than to be sober now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I told you that my dream was to work in rehab Yeah. when I come home. And then I got to working with all these kids. No, no, no. I'm in my calling where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I'm hiring these kids. I'm loving these kids and they're loving me back. Um. I was unlovable for a long time, unless she was a piece of crud, you know, yeah. real talk. Mm-hmm. These are innocent children that love me if I can help them in any way, you know, or anybody in this world. Like you said, anybody needs me for any kind of, you know, a ride to rehab, mm-hmm. a contact for a bed. Yeah. I got you. I promise I've got you. Well, I, I can tell that you're dead serious about it. Absolutely. You know, and uh, you say that your dream was to work in rehab. You are. Yeah. I mean, in just a different capacity. You really are. You say you've got all these kids around you and stuff like that. Do they know your story? They do. Everybody. So they know what you've come from and what you've and what you are now. You know, the the best thing that you can do in wanting to help somebody is to tell your story because and be as blunt and as to the point and direct as possible with it because just like I say, more, more often than not, people will agree with what I said earlier about you, you can't help me. You don't know what it's like. Well, you do know what it's like. So being being around all these young young kids and stuff like that and them knowing that, that what you've come from until now – that's a huge impact that you're having to ha- having on these people. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you're doing, you're, you're living your dream. I, it's just in a different capacity. I believe that wholeheartedly. You really are. I do. Um, I just, uh, I, you know, do they know? Yeah. And even the big guys, you know, my bosses know. I never lied to them. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, be, I'll be there two years, November 3rd, I believe. Yeah. 
I've worked for Jim Robinette down at the other Dairy Queen for, you know, off and on several times, but I didn't lie to him. I told him what had happened in these 20 years I'd been absent or whatever. Mm -hmm. Grandson, too, he's only 24. He didn't know me, you know, but, you know, and I tell him all, you know, and and I don't, I won't hide it from anybody. Yeah. I'm pretty dang stoked that I even made it out alive. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's like, um, and then I, for a long time, when I first got sober, I felt so guilty for being stoked about my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Hell no, I am stoked about the life I live now. Yeah. You know, I've got several friends that I've heard on this podcast. Yeah. That was just as wild as me. Mm-hmm. And heard her story, and I thought, I don't know if I should say her name or not, but I know she's going to listen to this. Yeah. Miss Gabbard, that's all okay. I'm going to say. Yeah. You talk about it. Listen. Yeah. I get cold chills all over me because... Mm-hmm. There's two of us that I know for a fact should have been dead a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> wilder and bugs. Mm-hmm. Sorry, buddy. I ain't, but we's wilder and bugs. Yeah, yeah. My youngin' run with her too, wilder and bugs. I mean, it's like, you don't have to live like that no more. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I come on here. I know a lot of people listen to this. And I know there's lots of people in this county that listen to it and still struggle and they think. Yeah, they well, are. Um, nobody's going to care about me. Nobody, nobody loves me. Nobody wants to help me. I, Robin Cravens, I love you, and I'll do anything I can't to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's as real as anything I've told today. Yeah, I got you back if you just call me. You just yeah. gotta let me know. Oh yeah, and just like you said, you're on Facebook, Robin Cravens on Facebook. Yeah. Anybody can look you up, and uh, yeah, she means what she says, folks. I can tell she's she's dead serious. If you're if you're doing anything like this, get up with her. Uh, she's devoted to it. I am wholeheartedly. You know, it's yeah. uh, not everybody's got somebody to save them. You yeah. know, um, my daddy was mad and scared the fire out of me. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I went at first. That ain't what saved me. I saved myself when I decided <clears throat> that's you know, and the same with anybody that wants it. You know, at first they may not want it. But mm-hmm. when they get a little taste of it, they're going to want it. Yeah. And that's what it takes. And that's, yeah. And I'll help you get there, you know. I, I know you will. Um, I've done, let's see, I did 28 days rehab, and then I did IOP at McKee. Um, I think I did three months. And that's really all the rehabbing I've had in three years, you know. Mm-hmm. it's You don't have to stay in rehab. You don't have to, you know, if you have to go back several, that's okay. That's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if you don't have to, that's cool too, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but when you've had enough, you've had enough. Yeah. You know, and I found out Rock Bottom had a basement. I, in six years, so much loss, just devastating loss, you know. Yeah. Um, sitting through the murder trial for my sister is one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Yeah. You know, and most people know her, and they know what the newspaper printed in this county. Mm-hmm. It was unreal. I thought nobody needs to know that stuff, you know, the way they Yeah. Yeah, I don't agree with them, how newspapers handle things at all. They, they There is no uh, feeling yeah. in newspaper articles. I don't even read them. I don't even buy them no more. Mm-mm. My mom had sit through that trial, and <clears throat> there all that was in that paper. Yeah. I thought, how could y'all do that to her? You know, yeah. it was my sister and a, and a guy, and... I've grown really close to that guy's mom, you mm-hmm. know, and even her. I thought, God, my, how could y'all? Well, I mean, I sit there with both of them. Yeah. 
so did that reporter. Mm-hmm. And you saw all the pain and the hurt. You still wrote that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know. Yeah, there's cold. There's, there's, uh, all over the world, newspapers are very cold hearted and they don't yep. take into consideration how it's going to affect the people that it's written about. Oh, no. No. There's been several people that I know I mean, I through, I, all throughout my life that has had things printed about them in the newspaper. And, uh, you know, more uh, a lot of times it's just made up a lot of lies and stuff. So, yeah, you can't put too much stock in any in anything a newspaper says. And I'm not talking about locally, only locally. I'm talking about worldwide. Oh, yeah, yeah. Newspapers are just notorious for not having all the facts. Yeah, just to sell a paper. <clears throat> Who cares? That's if, all it is. Just, yeah. you know, we're going to put this in there and sell this paper. And somebody's going to like it, and we're going to, you know, and that's how I felt. Yeah. Like, he, he, you didn't take into consideration that she was a human being, you mm-hmm. know, and that's how I felt for a long time too. Yeah. And well, she and you know she was a human being, but she's on drugs and she's this and she, you know. Yeah. Truth is, you know, maybe she was. Mm. So what? She still didn't deserve to die like she did, you know. And um, if I can save one mom from going through what my mom went through, yeah. I, that I, that's another reason, you know. Yeah. Another mom to get the phone call that their child just got charged with murder. Mm-hmm. That was devastating too. That mm-hmm. was, we were looking at life. And I say we, I wasn't in trouble with her, but I've been in jail with her every day. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, that's my baby, 27 mm-hmm. or not. But I finally, you know, when she got, <clears throat> she got a 36 month flop in August, that devastated me. Three more years before she's pro board. Yeah. I believe she'll come home then, but three mm. more years. God, my, she's been gone three years today. How am I going to do three more? You're just going to do it. Yeah. Because she ain't ready to come home. Mm. So, and that's kind of like I was saying, if you have to go to rehab and stay there for a while, it's okay. You, yeah, yeah. You, we're not all ready to be mm-hmm. out here on the street sober. We're yeah. not. That's okay. I'm a... F- uh... I, like you said earlier, you've got to want to get clean and stuff. And nobody, you're not going to get clean until you want to. And, uh, you know, but if you've got somebody on your side like you that's advocating for you and helping you along the process of getting clean, that is the best motivator that anybody could ever have in dealing with addiction. Mm-hmm. When you got somebody that's been there most of their life and dealt with it and come out, uh, like I said earlier, smelling like a rose on the other end. That ain't nothing but pure motivation. Uh, so yeah, you've got to want it for yourself. Yep. But you need you need some t- some team people backing you up. Absolutely. And that's what you're willing to do for anybody out there that's wanting to get help for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's like I came home from rehab, had to cut off a lot of friends, not because I don't still love them. I do. You wanted to live. But I, I love me, too. That's the difference. Yeah. And, and that that was kind of hard to say at first. <clears throat> I do love them, and I, do, and I still got friends in, in the madness. Yeah. Love to save them. Mm-hmm. I can't save everybody. No. I can help you save yourself. Yeah. I can't save you. But I'm willing to help, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah. I hope it didn't ramble too much. No, buddy. I've loved this. This has been awesome. I, I, I came in. I was like, I'm just going to be real. And I'm going to be raw because my life is real and raw. I mean, yeah, I, you can't yeah. make this stuff up. No, you can't. This is why I believe this podcast is so special. And so what what 
kind of makes it stand out from any other podcast I listen to. It kind of feels scripted, you know, a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. do when they deal with uh, issues like this. Now, you can attest to this. When you came in the studio and sat down, you asked me, is this like a question and answer type thing? I said, no, uh, this is just a conversation. The only difference is we got headphones and a microphone in front of us, and I'll kind of introduce you, and you just kind of go off. I had a little tiny bit of information about what you're going to talk about, Mm -hmm. but that was that was it. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, when anybody comes on the podcast, this podcast, I want it to be as real and as raw as possible. Mm -hmm. I don't censor anybody. If you want to come in here and cuss a blue streak, scream and yell, stomp and kick, that's what I want you to do. Uh, That's the way that I feel like any of these stories that you that these people have, and like you have, that's I feel like that's the only way that it'll get the point across that hey, this is as real as it gets, this is as raw as it gets, and I need to pay attention to this lady or this man speaking on this podcast because. This don't feel fake, yeah. you know, because this is not fake. Nothing. This is real life. Yeah, real life. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's my that was my desire to come in here and tell real life. I might have jumbled it up, left. I, mm-hmm. There's been lots of stuff, you know, <clears throat> but like those the things I talked about, those are highlighter, you know, like the, the yeah. car wreck. Mm-hmm. That sent me down a crazy road. He, I mean, it was crazy, you know, and my little sister. And then my daughter, my husband, taking my granddaughter. That was yeah. the point. That was the breaking point. Mm. I, I still talk to her. She called me. Yesterday's my birthday. She called me. Yeah. I was almost asleep because I get up at 2.30 to go to work. If I open, she's like, Nene, I think I'll just let you go. You can't even keep your eyes open. Mm, I yeah. said, okay. <laughs> but I love her better than, you know, butter. And yeah, it's yeah. just, and I knew if I didn't do something, I'd never see her again. I th- that would have been the end of me, and I would probably made sure of it, you know. Yeah. But my child, my child in prison needs me. That one, you know, that eighteen-year-old needs me. Josie's yeah. going to need me. I mean, there's people that needs me. Oh, absolutely. And I'm okay with that, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, well, that feeling of being needed and stuff, like legitimately needed, is just a motivator too for you to keep going on the path that you're going. Mm-hmm. Like if my daughter, my oldest one, came home, and I was still getting high. She wouldn't be out two months on parole. She'd be high again. Yeah. I can't do that to her again. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's changed forever. You know. Yeah. So that's going to take somebody strong to deal with all of her stuff. Yeah. And I think I'm strong enough finally to do that. I oh, mean, my God. You're one of the strongest people I've had on this podcast to go through what you've been through. You're in, I can't say this enough, most of your life, 90% of your years on earth. To go through the things that you have gone through, I can't imagine many people being stronger and tougher than you. And that's that's it's amazing. Yeah. It, I mean, I ain't trying. It's, it's just crazy to me that I'm sitting here talking to you about how long I've been clean and mm-hmm. you know, and wanting to help others get here. Yeah. You, if you'd have told me this three years ago, I'd say, yeah, I heard that. Get out of here, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, you're crazy. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to be clean. Now, I sure ain't gonna help you get clean. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the whole reason I came is just if there's anybody that listens to this podcast that needs mm-hmm. any kind of help. Yeah, I can do it. I mean, I can. You know, the girls that rehab, mm-hmm. they love me. Like I walked in and I just kind of 
just like, here I am. Yeah. Do whatever you got to do with me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. still talk to them. I can get you a bed, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah. that's my, that's my, my whole thing is yeah. I know there's people out there that need somebody. They absolutely are. Uh, I can't stress enough just how important it is for people like you to do the things that you're doing because I would imagine when you, when you are in this type of chaotic environment for so long and then you, you get to smell the, the roses on the other side, you get such high from that that you want to spread that drug to, to everybody. everybody and it's free because it's such a better life and yeah. it's it's one that you didn't know nothing about most of your life yeah. so you know these people are on this kind of drug and you found this new drug and you want them to yeah. be an uh, addict addicted to this new drug of, of uh, a happy fulfilled life you know uh people uh, uh i am very thankful for people that come on this podcast and talk so bluntly about their experiences, whatever it may be, whether it's addiction or uh, any type of experience that they have went through. I am so thankful for people, and I'm actually amazed that people are are uh, so willing to come on the podcast because I never expected this yeah. this type of uh, these type of conversations. But it's so awesome to hear. And I'm so thankful for people that's, that have come on this podcast and willing to be so blunt, so raw about the way that they have been raised and things that they have gone through. So I'm, I'm just forever thankful for it. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. And I thank you, too. Um, I used to make a joke at rehab. I didn't. At that time, I did not mean it. Yeah, yeah. It's probably when I first got there. I'm going to go home and not be a dope dealer. I'm going to be a hope dealer. Yeah, yeah. Little did I know. That I was really going to come home and be a hope dealer. That's good. I used to be a dopeless fiend. Now I'm a, what is it? How is it they say it? I've seen it a million times. Um, a dopeless fiend. Now I'm a hopeless something. I can't yeah. remember exactly, but I want to be a hope dealer. I want to. That's awesome. Throw it everywhere. <laughs> it's like. That's uh, that's really good. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> I keep little notes and stuff. <laughs> that's that's really good. I just that's that's my whole. I feel like that's my whole purpose now. Yeah, I believe it is too. Everything that I feel, everything I, that you're currently doing now, your job, being surrounded by all those young people, and stuff like that, and them them seeing, you know, like I said earlier, the successes that you've had later in life. I mean, that gone. That's got to be the biggest eye-opening experience for everybody that comes in contact with you, not just those kids mm-hmm. uh, or, and everybody that you work around and stuff like that, for everybody that comes around you to know your story and to see you now. I mean, that's a, that's a success story. It really is. And, you know, uh, it's just one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Yeah. That's the only way I can put it. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and, and that makes me, you know, that just – yeah, I didn't know you for a day. I, no, I, I, I listened didn't. to your podcast, and you know, I didn't know you. Mm-hmm. You had no idea what I was going to talk about. Yep. So if you feel that way, you know, let's hope that everybody that hears it, oh yeah, can feel it. Yeah, um, they will. And, and know that I'm sincere, and I'm, you know, 
my family had just about give up on me. Yeah. They really had. Yeah. Maybe not daddy. Every, every, the rest of them. It's like, <laughs> yeah. She's never going to do anything any different. Yeah. But now, the relationships I've built back, the drug, you know, the, the high of all this that I'm doing. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. It really is. Like, well, you are to be very proud of yourself. You've accomplished something that a lot of people, unfortunately, don't. I and I know that Benny is sitting right up there right now smiling down on you. Yeah, I hope so. He is. I know he is. But that's how, when I lost him, and I was at Town and Country, like I told you, my uncle said, mm-hmm. where are you? I said, Town and Country. He said, don't move. I said, well, I'm not going to, but yeah. where are you? You know, well, I'm at, at, at mommy's, mamas. I said, well, I'll come. No, no. You stay there because they was afraid from town and country to Brownsville over on thirty. Yeah, they've been stops between. I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, because I didn't. I'd done too good for my dad, you know, for daddy to let him down that day. Yeah, you know, and there was a red yeah. cart. I swear to you, town and country. I was sitting on the milk crate smoking a cigarette, waiting for my uncle. Mm-hmm. Looked on the electric pole. There's that a red cardinal. I ain't lying to you. Really? No re- And that son of a gun comes to Dairy Queen and sits on the on the patio and waits for me to come out. I ain't kidding you. Really? I swear to you. Flies around my car. Yeah. I promise. He's been, you know, he's been with me ever since he left. Yeah. I, I know that. Guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. If I mess up, he's going to pick my eyes out. Probably. <laughs> you <laughs> might not have a hair left on your head. Probably wouldn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's keeping you in check. <laughs> he's everywhere. Yeah. It's like, I'll leave. And they're like, Robin, your cardinal's out there. I was like, oh, no, no. It's like sitting out there on the, on the wall in front of my car. It's on the patio. It's somewhere close. So they know it, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's awesome. Yep. Well, Robin, I really appreciate you coming. Uh, this has been this has been great uh, folks uh, before we end this I just want to say thanks to everybody that's ever come on this podcast and told whatever story that they have to tell these are uh, every, every podcast that I upload is unscripted it's off the cuff it's there's very minimal conversation that goes on before i hit the record button on here it's basically uh i tell you about you know how the way to hold the microphone to your mouth and put the headphones on and i warn you about the music being a little bit loud and that's about it yep it is uh i'd rather keep it uh i'd rather know as least amount as possible about what somebody's going to tell me now they may come on here and cuss me all to pieces or say your podcast is stupid i hate you you don't know nothing i that's fine yeah but don't tell me beforehand wait till i hit the record button and then give me a head full (laughs) you know because i'll go back and forth with you all day uh but uh that's just the way i I prefer it and uh so thanks to everybody that's ever come on this podcast thanks to everybody that will come on the podcast uh these are the stories that uh, make a difference you're the kind of people that make a difference in people. And for that, I think everybody should uh, shake your hand and give you a big hug. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. And uh, if you've got anything else. Just thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. It's yeah. been a pleasure meeting you. you like too. I say, this is the first time I ever met you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, thank you all for listening, folks. And uh, remember, 
keep it uh, keep it real keep it raw and we'll see you next time thank y'all Hey guys, we'd like to remind you that the What's Up World podcast is sponsored by Paul and LaData Hunter, owners and operators of Whistle Stop Express and Livingstone Outreach Incorporated. Whistle Stop is located in Sand Gap, Kentucky. They sell gas, diesel, propane exchange tanks, and they carry a wide variety of automotive products. Pride dog food, several different types of livestock feed, including chicken, horse, goat, cattle, shelled and cracked corn, and more. Pick up your postage stamps while you're there, too. Their breakfast menu is served fresh every morning starting at 5 a.m., Monday through Friday, and 7 a.m. on the weekends. They close at 9 nightly. They offer the best quality deli meat sliced fresh to order. The phone number is 606-965-7613. Adjacent to Whistle Stop is Livingstone Outreach, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that focuses on meeting the needs of the community by providing clothing, food, hygiene products, etc. They are continually working to help others through youth programs and community projects. If you want to donate, call them at 859-582-3445 or stop by on your way through.